Welcome to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast where you will discover creative ways to improve your health and well-being. Someone may have told you that art isn't for you, but they were wrong. Anyone can create Arts for the Health of It. No talent or experience necessary. I'm just a little songbird. Try to fly my way homeward with the melody and I make the beat. Don't know where it'll take me, take me. Cause when I'm in the dark of night, I sing my way back to the light. Come along with me and your heart will see that a song changes everything. Oh, oh. Welcome to Arts for the Health of It. I'm your host, Richard Wilmore. And I'm your host, Constanza Roeder. And today we're talking with Steve Dilley, who is the um, Executive Director of Veterans Art Project, which is an organization in California that supports veterans through the arts. And you may not think that, oh, military personnel doing art, that that's something that would go together. But it absolutely is. There's actually a national initiative um, called Creative Forces, which is a a, a partnership between the Department of Defense and the National Endowment for the Arts to bring the healing therapeutic power of the arts to our veterans. Well, you you just said it, too. I was surprised when I first started at Harsing Art and when we started this podcast learning how important the arts are in the military. And that was like, to me, like a lot of people, I'm assuming those two things are so different, but I love that they're so into it and people are so engaged in it in the military. And I think it's so uh, important, of course, like Mm. every other part of life, but that, that, there's so many different ways of getting the arts when you're in the military. Yeah. And even the, um, the VA on their website, um, they have articles about um, creative arts. And this, this particular part of the article says the creative arts program helps um, injured and recuperating veterans improve fine motor skills, cognitive functioning, manage stress and substance abuse, cope with symptoms of PTSD and TBI, while also improving their sense of self-esteem and overall physical and mental health. And Steve talks a little bit about some of the some of the effects that they see on their participants when they engage in the arts. Um, and you get to also hear some of Steve's theories about yeah. why, like what what is going on that's making these connections happen in people's brains and lives, and um, what is it about the arts that's doing it? So he has some really fascinating theories about that. Yeah, and some great ways that you can figure out how to get creative if you're not near the Veterans Art Project, if you're not in California, ways that you can do it wherever you're at, which I was like, oh, yeah, that's so smart and so easy. <laughs> like, duh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, uh, why have us talk when Steve can tell you all about it? Through an enhanced belief in artistic responsibility, Steve Dilley created the Veterans Art Project to assist veterans, spouses, dependents, and caregivers with life-altering circumstances that affect their transition to civilian life. It is this deeply held belief that creativity practiced through community and community building creates lasting positive health 
outcomes. His background is as an artist and he entered the military community to bring the arts to them. And here he is to talk about it. Yeah. And of course, it's one of those things that where we talked for a very long time and completely forgot to take a commercial break. So we're going to take a commercial break now and then come back with Steve. So we'll be right back. Whether you consider yourself a musician or not, music is all around us and it affects our everyday lives. Whether it's background music influencing our shopping habits in a store, organ music adding the vibe to a baseball game, or a playlist convincing us to keep going on that last mile of a run. I'm Mindy Peterson, host of the podcast Enhanced Life with Music, where we take a holistic look at the power of music in our everyday lives through the lens of science and health, sports and entertainment, business and education. You can find me and Enhanced Life with Music at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast or wherever you get your audio. Unleash the power of music. Steve, yeah, uh, thank you so much for jumping on with us today. Sure thing. I'm happy to be invited, and I can't wait to hear what I'm going to say. <laughs> we, we can't, can't wait. That's why, yeah. You're the executive <laughs> director of the Veterans Art Project. Can you tell everybody what the Veterans Art Project is? Hey, thanks for having me, guys, and I'm uh, really fortunate to be here. Um, I think that uh, for me, I believe, that the Veterans Art Project started because I felt I had an um, artistic responsibility to help other people in my community. I happen to live in San Diego County. There happens to be a lot of military here. And if we think back to what was going on in 2003, 2004, there was a whole um, demographic of deployed troops who were coming back from uh, wars in the Middle East, Iraq, Afghanistan, and they were doing extended uh, tours of duty. And what I was reading in the, in the newspaper time and time again was this, um, it was like, it was almost like, and it was just a, a, a repetition happening, deployed service member comes back, buys a motorcycle, has a stack of money, mixes it with a 30 pack of beer and having a really bad health outcome. And I always felt that, um, Art has been a way for me to survive and thrive, and I and I just felt that it was my artistic responsibility to help people uh, with something that meant meant something to me. So, you know, we started with one class at Grossmont College. It was funded by the Associated Students. Um, about that time, I found a, a a funder, and he started saying, "Let's do these classes." And that was in two thousand nine. So over that time, we've uh, had a you know a pretty good arc performed a few thousand classes and a few thousand people. And, mm. you know, now, now it's a thing. I think that, you know, art making and community be, prior to the pandemic was this kind of one-off kind of interesting, weird thing I was doing as an artist. And now we're talking after pandemic, people are like, they go, ah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Uh-huh. Because we're all isolated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, so that is definitely how we started and it is and it has grown beyond my um wildest dreams and I feel fortunate to be making a, an impact uh in people's lives and that's what the participants tell me all the time. I have so many questions because this is sure. 
So cool. And it's very personal for me because most of my, most of the men in my family are military. Um, and my brother actually was a Marine and was part of the surge in Afghanistan and came back with a traumatic brain injury and PTSD and um, all of the challenges that come with that. And sure. the arts and music writing were a really integral part of his, of his coping and recovery. Um, sure. so, and I, and he kind of had that in his background, like growing up, we grew up in a fairly artistic um, family, but not everyone has that background. So how, mm -hmm. what's your process with like recruiting these guys or these men and women to your classes? Um, what kind of response do, do you get resistance from them? Is this kind of like a new weird thing that they do? Um, yeah, I just wonder how they find you and, and um, whether they're hesitant or they jump right in. Um, I think that's uh, you know that's a good question. There's many different um, uh, layers to that question, but first and foremost, um, our best advocates for the program are other veterans, right? Mm -hmm. And if we do good with this participant, they meet another person. And go, hey, you know what? You might like this. You should go check this out, and then they come in. So that happens. Uh, you know, we have a robust uh, social media presence. Um, we, uh, as I like to say, you know, we're always, we're hungry for, for new participants mm -hmm. and that, uh, we have outreach that continues at the Aspire Center in San Diego, the VA La Jolla. Um, we're also working to, uh, maintain our connections with Marine Corps Base Camp Pendleton. Mm -hmm. And also in San Diego, we know that, um, the, uh, Navy is in charge of medical for like the whole South fleet here. Mm -hmm. So we have that to interact with, which is its own bureaucracy. And, you know, it's, it's just something that we work on every day. And, and really at the end of the day, when one participant tells another one that, Hey, this was a cool thing I did. You should go check it out. Then we know we are getting and engaging with the, with the right people. Hmm. So that is something that it's, you know, it's a, it, it's a net and we always have to be working. And, you know, we're talking San Diego Veterans Coalition, physical, emotional health, uh, uh, North County uh, Veterans Association of North County, um, San Diego, the North County Veterans Stand Down, Oceanside Museum of Art. So those are all wow. kind of part of that ecosystem that we exist in. And how do you, um, we're always like, you know, flyers and um, having conversations uh, with therapists. And, you know, and for some artists who are veterans, they're like, I don't want to be associated with, with, you know, I'm not broken. I'm not any mm -hmm. of that. I just need access to a facility. And our doors are open for them also. Hmm. So, you know, I think that doing art is a form of mental wealth. And when we have mental wealth, we can definitely spend it. And but it but it's about practice, mm. right? The artistic practice. We also have an art therapist, Jill Brennigan, who uh, works with our population, male and female, different groups. Um, and she has a very unique um, interaction that happens. But as I like to say, it's like I can go and work out for a day at the gym. Right. But mm -hmm. I'm going to gain benefit, but through practice and the practice is what's coming back to it. 
right? Mm. And you're building school, you're building skills. We are combating isolation. We are, um, you know, in the community centering, you know, definitely intergenerational programming, old people talking to new people, how that works mm. outside of social circles. I think that's a really important thing. And what's been uh, communi- communicated to us by our work on base with the Intrepid Spirit Center is they do all these alternative uh, interventions, wellness interventions from, you know, diet and sleep hygiene and how to relax and music therapy and movement and yoga and, and that when they come and work with vet art and do they were doing um, bronze bell casting and what happened is that they saw and they attributed to our program because we were like the first engagement that they did other than getting their paperwork filled in and they basically said that we led to a lowering the incidence of participation avoidance Mm. and that when the participation avoidance happened all these other health outcomes were, 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 it was like we opened the door, Mm -hmm. right? And when that happened, because, you know, people are creative, right? Mm -hmm. I believe it's, it's a natural um, state for people. And I think that is a, an important component. So those are all definitely a a part of, uh, you know, getting more people in the door, but, you know, how do we, you know, what makes it relevant to someone, right? Constanza, you spoke, you know, talking about a family member, right? This is relevant to you because it's lived and it's close to you, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that um, art making and community definitely allows an opportunity to allow social forces to come into you know, and those would be therapeutic, the social participation, it all leads to wellness. So mm-hmm. I think it's all a really important, um, it's being able to access a deeper sense of ourselves. Mm. It's that. What are some of the cool things that are happening with you? Like what, what, what do people have access to? Uh, so within our current makeup, we have two locations here in, in North San Diego County. Um, we have participants that have come in from all over the state of California, including people um, outside of California. And we've done, uh, um, you know, programming uh, that includes a national scope, including uh, in-person classes. We've also funded classes, Daytona State College, uh, Arizona Western College, uh, Yuba College. Um, wow. You know, we've done... Uh, in-hand workshops in New York, um, Washington, D.C., Walter Reed, Hmm. um, you know, Yuba Sutter Arts Council. So that's just been part of our outreach that happens. And then also, um, and before I get ahead of myself, those two locations we have, our foundry in Fallbrook is a fully operational bronze casting, hot pour bronze foundry. Um, so people come in, we do their portrait with alginate face casting. I like to, uh, cast the people from the tip of their forehead to the tip of their ears out here to the shoulders and the base of the sternum. And I really get a chance to, um, get, um, a complete, um, portrait because I'm looking for that individual and not as individual as a, um, as a driver's license. 
Hmm. Right. One's the documentation. The other one is that psychological moment of who that person is. And, you know, and there's a little bit of posing that happens to, to make that happen. And, but we're really, we're talking about making people relax. And then, hmm. and then we walk them through that whole process, right? From day one to six weeks later, they come on six Saturdays, they will have a completed bronze portrait. And wow. they're really quite stunning. Uh, so that happens. And then we also have all the facility and plasma cutters and sandblasters and compressors and overhead cranes. So it's a very industrial application. Um, and that can also, for many people, be an introduction to um, the foundry business in America because we're just a small little arts foundry. But uh, we know that uh, foundry work is a multi-billion dollar investment of uh, technologies here in America. So that's our, our bronze uh, factory, you know, foundry factory. And then I like to think of our other location, which is another 5,000 square foot in Vista, California, the Vet Arts uh, School of Ceramics and Glass. We have uh, glass casting. We have uh, ceramic wheel hand building. Uh, so it's a fully, um, fully appointed production uh, you know, this is an industrial building with 20-foot ceilings and skylights and uh, roll-up doors, uh, some, you know, clay mixers, electric kills. Uh, County Board of Supervisors funded us to um, get a gas line, which should be coming in by the end of the year, to the building, and also a 24-cubic-foot gas kill that will be installed in facility. So that really gives us access to, I, I like to say, because people come in, they're like, wow, this is such a, you know, an amazing big place. And it's like, I want to have a facility that um, I experienced in college, right? And also that we had a facility and intervention with people that does not infantilize their um, experience. Mm -hmm. And that we offer appropriately challenging uh, processes to dig themselves into and to really discover what that may mean for them. Because we're really talking about um, access to nonverbal means of communication. And if we look at the history of Western art, um, you know, it, it goes, it, you know, the cave paintings in France only go back so far, but art is represented there through all those steps. And now, now we're finding even older things that are going back and that, you know, humans human-like animals were scratching and, and embellishing something in some way and we find those so you know art has a long long history of being a part of the human experience and we like to um, make sure our participants understand that and see that gain access to it mm. so it sounds like the the stuff you're doing is is very tactile and hands-on and mm -hmm. Um, fairly rigorous in the in their learning this kind of this art form it sounds like and then you have a um, a process I believe it's called deep arts engagement can you tell us a little bit about what that is and maybe the role that it plays in the development of these pieces that each of these participants makes well I want to say that uh you know, because we we were we are looking for descriptive language that describes what happens in the studio, and the last thing I want to refer to that would be magic. <laughs> um, 
I think magic is a is a wonderful thing, but it also entails some kind of sleight of hand, or maybe it's you know you, you, it's deceptive, mm -hmm. right? But as a scientist and an artist, uh, we want to describe what we do, and I'm really interested in to the neuroplasticity and how it is that people um, you know grow new neural pathways in their brain. So there's that's a very interesting thing, and I have some ideas about that. Um, but that idea of DAE, deep arts engagement, I call it a day, um, is that we were trying to find that description, descriptive nature of what happens when you're in the studio. Now, day can happen. You could be at home cooking something, or but that you are so invested in the in the present, the time that you're standing in, is that for me. I'll be, I'm in a day engagement when it's like, oh, I'm an hour late or I'm two hours late. I got to go because mm. you're so engrossed in what you're doing. So I think there's an opportunity to be so mindful that you're just caught up in that moment. Mm. And process many times allows you to do that. And so as a process-based artist, we have a chance to delve into the process and the process is it could be skill, you know, but you know, like my earliest art teachers told me, Steve, learn it and forget it. Right. If we look at a good jazz musician, they're not thinking about what chord comes next. Right. Their skill is so facile that, that they are just moving in the moment and responding to what's mm -hmm. around them. Right. I think great artists do that. We're not mm -hmm. thinking about what we're doing. We're just doing. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about deep arts engagement, it's it's all of that. You know, it's we we mentioned earlier about the idea of improvisation, right? I mean, if improvisation is good enough for jazz, mm -hmm. it's good enough for me, mm -hmm. right? And you know, and when we're talking about that deep arts engagement, I also like to say that if it's good enough for. Um, contemporary medical school which was see one do one teach one it's good enough for vet art because our participants come in they see a demonstration they do one and then they have a chance to to display what they've learned by teaching the next participant that comes in hmm. so there's this reinforcement that happens and i think that's an important uh component so the participants are helping to teach the new participants um the, yes and that is definitely what happens in, in, in the studio. We like to call that tribal knowledge. Um, and so there is a pathway within VetArt to get to become employed. Wow. So we That's are cool. talking like Reginald Green, who's been one of our uh, participants. He came in kind of just out of curiosity. And Reggie is a wonderful artist. He came in and the first portrait he did of himself was him as an Egyptian pharaoh. Wow. And so then he really picked up all these skills. But through the process of learning that skills, then it was like, hey, hey, Reggie, would you mind helping us out with this outreach? And oh, and then before you know it, it's like, hey, Reggie, we, we need someone who can do the outreach at the VA. He's like, yeah, I'd, I would love to do that. And the important thing that happened then is, is like I had been doing the outreach at the VA. So I handed it off to, to Reggie. And when I was doing it, I... I was, you know, getting people that look like me. And when Reggie was doing it, 
we had this whole African American, you know, contingent of veterans that came in. And mm-hmm. so it becomes important that, you know, representation matters mm-hmm. as, as for our teachers and that all these different demographics need to be represented so we can connect with these people all mm-hmm. the way down the board. And as someone who's coming from teaching in the academic sense, um, a lot of times we, I felt we just ended up with a, uh, um, less of a diverse group of people, hmm. and by changing the face of who was who was demonstrating and and um, uh, teaching these one-off classes really brought a lot of diversity to our studio, and I'm very proud about that. That's great. Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, what what you've been most proud of, and I think you just answered it. Uh, <laughs> so never mind. Uh, <laughs> I would like to, I don't know, this is the question that I had in my head and I don't know if it'll come out correctly or not, but like, what is, do you know, like the percentage of, of like males who do art versus females or, you know? Um, So, you know, before we started, I went and grabbed all my notes, right? And the thing I didn't grab. um, So... All right, so when we were working, the percentages, right? So there's it depends on the class and who we're working with. So when we're working with the Intrepid Spirit class, uh, these are all, you know, what they call special operators. And they're 16, 17 years in, and they were predominantly male, right? But that's their type of work is predominantly male. Um, we're also looking at, uh, Vetar, you know, a public health intern that worked with us. We did a social media analysis of who was engaging with our posts over the last few years, and we connected well with female veterans. Hmm. So to me, we know that we connect with female veterans. We want to do that more. So what do they want and how do we do that? So you're talking about the value of arts that's happening in, in a community, it sounds like. Uh, what might your advice be for someone who is listening that is interested in this type of program, but they don't have access in any of anywhere nearby? Is there Are there things that um, veterans can do on their own um, or ways that they can kind of form their own communities? What, what advice would you give to someone that can't directly access your services? So um, we're always looking for uh, innovative ways to engage with our uh, participants. And an important way is obviously through technology. Um, And I'm always interested in that interface. Um, I am a little suspicious that how do we fight something like isolation behavior with more isolation behavior? So, you know, there is a little thing there. Um, To better the description of that question is that we talked with a woman who reached out through our our website. She had lived here in San Diego County. She moved with her partner. They're up in a small town in Utah and she is interested in the arts, um, Marine veteran. And we had this whole like, okay, what can I do in my here and now? Mm. Right. And do you want to work with other vets? Yes. So, you know, we go through all these different checkboxes. And I'm like, have you talked to your rec department? 
in your city mm -hmm. because the recreation department may have space, mm. right? Space yeah. is a good place to start, right? Well, okay, <laughs> we have this room, right? And you could get the room on Tuesday afternoon or, you know, or whatever that is, right? And I think that these conversations start because we're talking about community, but they happen by, you know, it's a strange world that I'm old enough to remember that we used to just call people on the phone. <laughs> what? You just pick up the phone. You just call them. And if they weren't there, <laughs> you'd call them back. You know what I mean? Uh, but I think that that's a weird thing about our, you know, current culture is that we many times we feel the need we have to, like, text someone to set up a phone call. When in reality, you know, many times people that are working in public civic governance, right, are, they answer their phone mm. and call, call the rec department, talk to them. Um, you have, we have uh, city governance, call and talk to them. Um, and then you just kind of, you can just gr graduate on up through the stratospheres of governance, right? You know, you got city, you got county, right? Uh, and that for veterans, I'm always encouraging them, you know, you're a veteran. People want to hear what you have to say. Mm. So what did you want? And they're like, well, I want more access to arts. Really? You want more access to art? Who do you think you should tell about that? Well, I don't know where to start. Right. So mm -hmm. that advocacy happens many times, as the artist Aaron Tool says, he goes, you know, I make cups, I give away cups. And as I call it hand to hand, you know, right. And there, there's a there's an entendre there. But that that advocacy happens by engaging with people right, within arm's length. So, you know, mm -hmm. you talk to them. Right. And that these conversations um, do build because people are looking I think a lot of people are really looking for different ways to engage and, and to help the, the veterans, right? This is an opportunity. I grew up in a, in a household where my mom and dad met in the Navy. Um, mm -hmm. I grew up in, you know, shut up and get your vaccine. Um, <laughs> you know, we got all our shots. Mom was an RN, right? And I think that's a really important thing. You know what I mean? It's how do we, how do we um, advocate, share, um, this idea that um, the more we can do to bring people together really becomes a stronger foundation. Absolutely. And you're, you're connected with the um, creative forces, which is mm -hmm. part of a, an initiative with the um, national Wonderful program. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? And um, maybe some of the, the impact of your program specifically and anything you know about um, arts for veterans. Cause I think people may not connect that, that like there's actually national initiatives to connect veterans yes. to the arts. I think that's a very important thing. Actually, I have their um, paperwork right here. Um, they have, they currently have a, have a grant program out. Um, uh, Creative forces is a partnership with the department of defense. And we are looking at, um, with PTS, TBI, that um, people were seeing diminishing returns as an outsider. I was seeing, you know, diminishing returns to a pharma, pharmacological answers to uh, TBI. Mm -hmm. 
PTS and that um, a community engagement through arts are very important. And many times it's through a nonverbal means of communication. So as far as I can tell, the Creative Forces has a creative, have CATS, Creative Arts Therapists, at 12 locations on DOD installations, many times affiliated with the Intrepid Spirit Centers, and that they are offering arts engagement, including music, to veterans who have either have disease or injuries that have been a result of their um, being involved with the military and deployments and those. Uh, and I think it's a wonderful thing to get um, this kind of the heavy lifting of the arts to do, to create new neural pathways, create um, people to connect to a deeper sense of themselves and allowing them to discover who I may become because mm -hmm. many people have joined the military because they were um, they were thinking about it as younger people and then as adults, they decided to be a part of the military. So I think that's a um, an important program. I'm glad to see it happening and um, that sharing the uh, community collaboration goes a lot to um, offer support for uh, small arts organizations to have big impact in their community. And so I think that any, any type of support is a great. So I think Creative Forces has been a wonderful program and it's meant a lot to us to be a part of it. And mm -hmm. I think that, uh, and, you know, I want to, I want to circle back around. I was talking about my, my mom and dad earlier and I'd like to talk about them again. And, and growing up, my mom would always say, you know, before World War II, people would get a scratch on their toe and it would get infected and they could die, go you know, septic. And, and my mom explained to me how it was through, you know, the military's investigation and development of antibiotics. Mm. So if we think of antibiotics and, and that came out of military medicine, mm. of what arts in conjunction with military medicine. And not only is that a positive influence for our military connected po populations, right? But it's transformative for the civilian population, mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's, you know, I mean, and that's some big picture stuff, but I do think that it will be continued to be a, um, an important component of uh, what's available for people for wellness. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, the, I've been able to visit some VA facilities that have arts really fully integrated in, in the facility, in their programming, and the stories that come out of that and the impact um, that I've heard it's had on those populations is really pretty stunning. And I think you're right. I Absolutely. I think that there's been a lot of medical advances that have come out of um, trauma care in the military and um, physical trauma, mental trauma, all those things. And I, you know, it makes sense that they are like, oh yeah, we should investigate this arts thing that humans have been using for a long time for dealing with, with um, health, you know, health issues and trauma and all that. So yeah, 
I think it's you're right on point. I think that that's a you know an important thing, and that um, uh, I like to think that you know our primary medium is social change through community. I think mm -hmm. that the creation of reverie space for joy, you know, and mm -hmm. people are naturally curious, right? And, and, but where do you get a chance to do that? You know, and all these things are all part of what this work that we're doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and, you know, me starting doing this has been an important thing because I find it, um, I did it because I needed community. So I created what I needed. And in the process of doing that, other people, Right. I've been able to connect with them and that has allowed us to grow. But, you know, I mean, to cultivate these uh, conditions for transformation are really what this is about. And that and if people are better tied in with who they are as individuals, they may become better accepting to find out what they're going to do for their economic, you know, component mm. of their lives. So I'm always thinking that this is, you know, it's like, you know, being an outsider working in the veteran service industry, if I could be so, is that, um, you know, as an outsider coming in, I see a lot of, we're going to work and treat with the veteran as an island, mm. right? And, and my thing is like, well, actually, wellness and health comes from a multitude of positive reinforcements, if you will. So let's look at the veteran in their ecosystem, mm -hmm. allowing that to thrive, right? And then there's the support kind of built in to allowing that to continue. And um, But that ecosystem also entails me because I'm not a veteran. Mm -hmm. right? I'm a civilian. Right. I went to art school. People always say, you're in the military. No, no, <laughs> no, no. But I went to art school. Dude. You're from the dark side. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but the, and, and that's the important thing, you know, back in 2009, driving my Volkswagen bus and my ponytail with my peace sign on the back going on the Marine Corps base Camp Pendleton going, hey, you guys need to take the ceramics class with me. And they're like, oh, yeah, everyone's like really nice calling me, sir, you know, and, you know, even though even though we had an MOU on base, I mean, we had all this other stuff to make happen. But, you know, I, I guess I'd be considered part of the advanced guard. Right. Yeah. You know, 2009 yeah. is, you know, two years before creative forces came into being. Yeah. So when we were out there doing that, right, and to this day, you know, people are like, where do we, you know, and it's like, there, everyone's looking for, um, you know, how do we classify what you're doing? Mm. And it's like, well, we have all of these components, mm -hmm. right? All of these components that happen. Yeah. I, I, always... I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting, Richard, like Richard and I hear so many people talk from different fields and applications uh -huh. of arts and health. And it's so consistent across the board, but that there's this multifaceted, complex thing that happens when we do art, especially when we do art and community. And it's, it is hard to define and hard to pin down. And I think that's why people do resort to calling it magic. Cause it's like, we don't know. It's, we it's amazing. Things happen. Um <laughs> I'd like to think as a scientist that we can we don't have to refer on that type of uh of course. And, 
and really quickly here, his name is Ian McClellan. Uh, nope, wrong name. But I have his book at home. And he's a neuroscientist, and he is really talking about the interaction or integration of the left and right brain yes. and how the corpus callosum moderates that. And really what he's what he's getting at, if you listen to his um, you know, podcast and reading his book, is that and so let's just let's just you know posit this for a second, right? And what he says is that the left brain is engaged with speech, right? And spoken language is very important, right? But the right brain is is concerned with communication, mm. right? So we're talking two different systems here, right? And the corpus callosum kind of like, you know, it's, it's the double yellow line and whether or not how, how integrated that is. But the thing that kind of blew my understanding up, right, made me reassess to where it was, is the left brain is looking for a piece of corn and the right brain is trying to avoid becoming a piece of corn. Oh. <laughs> right? And so when we start to think about that and what's going on there, and this may overlap with trauma, and we have some metaphors we could talk about that, but that you know, maybe through environment or training or experience, right, people are unable to use speech, mm-hmm. right? And they may be called catatonic at that time or other, right? And so what we find happening time and time again, and I've had it reported from both male and female spouses. I'm talking spouses now, right? And um, it starts with, Steve, I'm so glad to meet you. And, you know, I can't believe this amazing program. And, 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 and what do you do to my husband? And I'm like, huh, what do you mean? They're like, no, because, you know, my husband is, you know, we've been married for 15 years, and in those 15 years, he hasn't said more than pass the salt at dinner, right? And when I hear that, I'm just incredibly, like, you know, saddened to hear that because, mm-hmm. you know, me and my wife and, and, you know, and when my son was living with us, um, you know, dinner was a time where, you know, we talked and argued and did all sorts of things, right? Uh, but there's a lot of communication happening there. And so, and I said, well, 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 I'm sorry to hear that. And I, well, you know, what do you mean? And they said, well, last Saturday, you know, my husband's been coming here for about three months and, and I don't know, but he, he talked for like six hours and he told me everything about what happened to him in the military. And every time mm-hmm. I'd ever asked him that for the last 15 years, he'd go, mm. Mm. right. So that tells us that there's a mechanism going on here that drilling down obliquely, right with this nonverbal means of communication that's opening up this other speech communication, Mm. right? So if we're thinking about that shutdown and, you know, and maybe we're getting those two sides working together, Mm. right? And, you know, I'm not a neuroscientist. I'm just an artist and I'm just talking about what I'm seeing. But Mm -hmm. if I, if I look at what I'm seeing and if I'm taking notes and I'm paying attention that seems to me to be incredibly interesting. That is very interesting. I might even call it fascinating. Well, yes. <laughs> right? You know, I mean, yeah. that is one of the things. It's like, wow, what is going on there? Do I understand it? No. 
can I can I find language that may describe it? Possibly, mm-hmm. right? These are the things that I, that I'm really interested in, and what I'm advocating working with. Um, you know, how do we go up against these entrenched defense mechanisms? Mm, right. So good. And that this idea that there may be no defense against metaphor, mm. right? And how metaphor is this type of language, and that to have access to it uh, may open us up to having a richer, um, you know, because it's like it's like I always talk to people. It's like you see that door over there. They're like, yeah. I'm all when I when I say see that door over there. Do you see door in your head, or do you see an image of a door in your head? See an image. Right. So there's something about the way that our, you know, processes information and many times it's visual, Mm -hmm. right? So I don't have all the answers to all these things, but these are the questions I'm definitely, you know, like to bat around. You know what I mean? Will you come back when you get more answers? Because I like to just keep talking. I appreciate that. that every, is, time you know, have a, every time you have an answer, it just calls up and be like, I have one more answer. And then we'll be like, all right. Yes. <laughs> 10 minutes. No. You know, it's, it, it's the old adage, right? If, you know, the answer brings another question. Was it the right mm-hmm. question? You know what I mean? So we're always like, kind of like, how do we, how do we, um, how do we keep that ex? you know, because what is it about exploration? Right exploration and investigation, right? Those are important things that I think um, that allow people, you know, now as a teacher, sometimes, you know, it's like, hey, Mr. Dilly, check it out. I'm all, yeah, yeah, I invented that yesterday. I call it the wheel. (laughs) You know, but, you know, we're going through the same kind of um, intellectual scaffolding, if you will, right? And I think that definitely is, so that kind of makes us, I think, um, our own personal stories are um, deeply and um, personal by nature, but also we know that they're also profoundly universal. Mm. Yeah. And that's if I get a little Joseph Campbell on us all. Yes. Um, Hero's journey. Richard's tired of me talking about it. (laughs) You know, I mean, I think that if, you know, within all this, you know, Joseph Campbell is one component, but then again, if you look at the work of Joseph Boys after World War II, and, you know, and it was all about the bee and the wax and honey and, you know, in this internal space, but, you know, it was the only response to fascism, mm-hmm. you know, because he was a German, German Stuka pilot. He got shut down over Russia and this whole, you know, genesis creation story that becomes his artistic license. Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, he was a veteran working against what happened to Germany. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, we, you know, I am looking back to other models and using their references to what we're working. But this is artistic stuff. Right. Yeah. And to have this being kind of, um, you know, that arts integration, you know, why is it that singing makes us feel better? Mm-hmm. Is it because it stimulates the vagus nerve or does it reconnect us to a, an earlier sense of ourselves with our parents or at church or, mm-hmm. or whatever that is, right? Or why does music affect us? And I mean, down in here, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You know, I don't know those answers, you know, but it, you know, music is kind of universal mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. 
Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's... We don't need it. That's why we started this podcast. <laughs> we're, we're here to figure it out. <laughs> and we're not going to stop. Our last episode it will be when we figure it out. <laughs> Stephen, uh, how can people connect with you and the Veterans Art Project? Um, thank you for asking. Uh, we are www.vetart.org. And we have uh, info on our website. Um, easy to find us there. Um, Steve at VetArt is my email. And, um, you know, I spend a lot of time, you know, talking to people, um, speaking to them, encouraging them, you know, because a lot of vets, man, I love to do art, but I'm not by you. And how can I do it here? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but also, you know, we are, you know, we are a mental health services oversight accountability at California state agency contractor for veteran mental health and wellness. So we are doing these pop-up art cafes around the state of California. Currently we're mm -hmm. entering our second year of that contract. Um, you know, so we're also advocating for the types of uh, systemic change. So we will be funding a, um, a panel discussion at national conference of education of ceramic arts in March mm. of 22 will be in Sacramento. And part of that advocacy that we're doing is um, if we have 2000 uh, sec secondary educators that do ceramics nationwide, and we can engage them that these veterans are ending their educational journey through the GI bill and the GI bill, they all need to have a, um, a humanities elective, right? So yeah. we want to get them into a ceramics class. Well, why is that? Well, I love ceramics. Well, beyond that, right? Well, beyond that is, is that ceramics and community is not a passive endeavor and that you really have to engage with, with people that are in your class. Mm. So if we can do that through an education format, right? Uh, we make, you know, kind of like, you know, it's like making that ripple going out and if we can make that ripple going out um, benefit other people, it's a win-win. Uh, <laughs> arts education, part of the answer, for sure. Yeah. You can um, go to heartsneedart.org slash podcast for all of the notes from today. And oh. then as Steve gives us updates on all the answers, we will update <laughs> the notes. <laughs> With, with bullet points of what we've learned from him but uh, I hope you do come back and talk to us more because it's such a large undertaking and a lot to talk about and um, we'd love to have you back sometime yeah um, absolutely thanks for thanks having for me guys everyone. <laughs> all right Thank you for listening to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast produced by Hearts Need Art, creative support for patients and caregivers in partnership with the National Organization for Arts and Health. You can help others learn about the healing power of the arts by subscribing, sharing, and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen or watch. The podcast is hosted by Richard Wilmore, co-hosted by Constanza Rader. Our theme song, Songbird, is written and performed by Natalie Lane. Visit heartseedart.org to learn how you can support our mission to create joy with people facing life-altering health challenges. Join us next week to learn more ways you can create art for the health of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Heartseed Art, their staff, board members, or other affiliates. All content is created for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice or to diagnose and treat any health condition. 
Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard on this podcast.